big news out of the American Association, and much more on this week's episode of the Indie Ball Report Podcast. Alright, we are back again. Episode number 148 of the Indie Bar Report Podcast. I'm Nick, he's Will, and we have a shorter week, I suppose, but there is big news in the short week. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is, there's not a lot of news, but I mean, at least initially, I, I assume the first story we're going to talk about, uh, a pretty big trade happened. So, uh, one that could, could certainly have a, a lot of impact on the on the season uh certainly so you know even though it's actually i'll put it as it's not terrible for the first week of january that's how i do it yeah i could agree with that it's you know that kind of new year's week there's a lot of like re-signings and stuff that we're not really going to get into but the trade itself is certainly something of note and that's what we're going to talk about first we're going to talk about it now so that trade in particular is the winnipeg gold ice who, as you may or may not know, recently lost uh, Kyle Martin to Mexico. He's going to play there in the summer. They were in need of a first baseman. They acquired one from Milwaukee in David Washington, the former major leaguer, the former Long Island Duck, and the milkman of the last two seasons. In exchange, they give up Tyler Smith and a player to be named later, uh, Washington, in the past 62 games of the past year. Uh, he hit 325, 402, 628 with 17 home runs and 61 RBIs. Uh, so a very, very good player, very productive player too. He can work a count to among the best in the uh, American Association. On the flip side, Milwaukee gets Tyler Smith, a guy who was in the Anaheim Angels or Los Angeles Angels, I suppose, system now uh, for the past three seasons. He got released in 21. He only got about seven games, eight innings or so with uh, Winnipeg last year. But in that time, he had a 216 ERA and a six strikeouts with three walks during that time frame. So uh, an interesting reliever, certainly, and the player to be named later could literally be anything. So that's of interest there, of course. Uh, but overall, it's an interesting trade because now Winnipeg seems to have filled their hole at first base. And there was always kind of a logjam with Milwaukee at first after uh, picking up Corral Prime. So that seems to have sorted itself out. Yeah, I think if you're looking at his trade in the sense of just like the one for one, and of course it's hard to analyze the player to be named later because, well, we don't know who the player is. Uh, but I think when you when you, it makes a lot of sense specifically for Winnipeg because, as you mentioned, they did have a hole uh, at first base, and boy does David Washington fill that hole. Uh, I mean, he he's a perfect fit, power a power left handed bat. Um, he he really helps out with that Winnipeg lineup. You'd think he's probably um, anywhere in that three to five range in that in that bat in that order next year. That makes the the middle of their lineup dangerous. So it makes a lot of sense. You know, as far as 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 far as who they got back and Tyler Smith, I guess there's just a lot we don't really know yet uh, because a lot of his uh, minor league career and affiliated ball with the Angels organization is. Uh, is kind of inconsistent to say the least. I mean, with uh, in 2021, this past year with High A, I mean, he definitely uh, he, he had a pretty rough go of it. I mean, ERA wise, but hey, listen, the strikeouts are there. Uh, walks are certainly high as well. 
uh, at least in that small sample, when he came over to Winnipeg, the strikeouts aren't where you would like them to be, I guess, for a reliever where that's kind of his big calling card. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, the, the strikeouts are there historically for them. So I think it is, I, I think Tyler Smith could be a, a, a decent option uh, as a, like a middle reliever, even, a, even a setup guy. And I do trust Milwaukee looking at uh, relievers because they do seem to turn out so many good relievers and guys that really it seems like they they almost came out of nowhere so i i, I trust milwaukee as far as how they're evaluating relievers uh but i mean if you're looking at like a specific just a one for one i mean you'd have to say winnipeg got the better end of the deal however it, w- with the acquisition of Corel prime not sure where Washington fit into that. So you kind of felt like this move could have been, was coming down the pipe. So, uh, I mean, although I, I'd have to say that I think Winnipeg did a outstanding, outstanding job with this deal. And, and I think that they, they should be excited. Yeah, I agree with that too. And that was something I was going to bring up was Anthony Barone's kind of known for developing relievers and having really high quality relievers. That's kind of been, uh, his mark over the past two seasons in Milwaukee. So, if you see something in Tyler Smith, I assume that, you know, there is something there. Uh, that said, too, I mean, the only other place where this could have worked is if you would have thrown Prime into the outfield. And I suppose it could have done as, like, say, a left fielder. But, I mean, that's not really the right spot for him. So, you're all right. Well, this move was coming. I do wonder if they could have gotten something else for Washington. But I also understand it's kind of right. like, uh, we're good. we're just going to kind of move him because that's kind of the right thing to do as well. Uh, but... It is, it's going to be interesting to see though, uh, if it was, you know, the right thing to do in moving Washington, bringing Prime in, or if, say, not bringing in Prime would have been better off and keeping Washington there would have been the right decision here. But overall, I do really like the move from Winnipeg. I think it also gives them kind of that, that I don't want to say seamless replacement because I mean, I'm not sure I'd go that far but it is a really nice replacement for Kyle Martin a guy that you know was at the top of the list in RBIs he was at the top of the list in home runs he's the top of the list in batting efforts as well so I mean he was a solid 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 player and almost certainly the best first baseman in the league last year so now you replace him with a guy that uh, is pretty comparable and probably was the top three or top four first baseman in the league so it is a really really nice fit in there Look, it's it's really hard to replace a bat that it's that's as good as Kyle Martin. And if you're if you're out there seeking um, someone who's going to just simply be Kyle Martin's production, you're not going to find it. He's a stud, uh, and it, it's really hard to replace that. But I think, I mean, David Washington is is about as good as as you can get. And and honestly, they didn't really give up a whole lot. I mean, Winnipeg could simply, uh, I mean, they could they, they could find a reliever to, to replace what Tyler Smith would have been in their bullpen anyways. So I, I think that it makes a lot of sense. Now, if if Milwaukee was just simply looking to offload him and there was they kind of viewed it as, well, there's no, there's no way we can have him on our roster. I mean, that kind of takes away your leverage a little bit in trade talks just because uh, other teams know that you, you got to get rid of them. So, it, listen, it makes a lot of sense for, for Winnipeg, and Washington is, is a great addition. I mean, look at his numbers last year. I mean, maybe didn't have like a big like 30-home-run season, but I, he cut down on a lot of his strikeouts uh, last year when, I mean, when, it, when, he was, uh, when he was healthy. 
I mean, hitting 325 and uh, an OPS over a thousand. I mean, he had a he had an excellent excellent 2021 season when he was in there. And and I think that that that's a tough break. You'd like to see what he could have been over Milwaukee in in a full season. And I think that's the disappointing part. But I think a full season in Winnipeg, I think you could see some big big numbers from David Washington. Uh, I mean, he's still really in the in the prime of his career at age at age 31. So I, I could see him having being in line for a big year with Winnipeg. And, you know, as I said, it, it's, it's tough to replace the, the production of Kyle Martin and what he bring, what he brought to that lineup and what he brought to that team. But David Washington is about as good as you're going to get. I think it's a, it's a great option to bring in as a replacement for Winnipeg. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that too. And also, I mean, keep in mind with a guy like David Washington too, you kind of want to do right by him. So if that means exactly. you got to sell low on him and that just you kind of move him on to another place quicker so that way he knows what he's doing, he knows what his summer plan is going to be, then so be it. That's just kind of the way it has to go sometimes. So, I mean, I, I'm totally cool on that move if that's what they needed to do on it. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I really like the acquisition for Winnipeg. Plus, who knows what the player to be named later could be. It could be, like I said, literally anything. Who knows? Maybe... The uh, gold dice fall out of contention. It's a solid player going back to Milwaukee there. That kind of bolsters them towards the end. It could be anything. So, I mean, hey, it, uh, it's a very interesting trade, and I thought it was worthwhile to talk about. I said, yeah, I, I think it was it, – it, I mean, it's a big trade. Uh, and just bringing in a guy like Washington, who you would think would be one, one of Winnipeg's best hitters, uh, I think it, it was, it's a very nice trade for Winnipeg, just to wrap it up. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Definitely is. So on that note, we go to the real kind of last piece of American Association news this week. Uh, we have a re-signing, and that is Butch Hobson is back with the Chicago Dogs for year five. Club's inaugural manager, only manager in team history. He is He's back again for 2022. Overall, as a Dogs manager, he is 193 and 164. And two and three in the postseason, that lone appearance coming, of course, last year in the uh, semifinal, or I suppose North Division final, if you want to do it that way. Took it five games. Uh, very good series, very fun series against Fargo-Moorhead. Obviously, uh, the Red Hawks managed to pull that out. And then, well, that's kind of the end of the line because came to the city. But uh, we're talking on Chicago. So uh, overall, a really, really good year for the Dogs last year. Uh, not so much so in years past, but Butch Hobson is back, and he is a good manager overall. It almost seems like a no-brainer to bring him back. He was uh, interested in coming back because, you know, not only was it a good year for the for the Dogs last year, which of course it was, but it was a team that, I mean, you know, we, we got to be honest here, the, a team that I certainly was not too keen on coming into the year. Uh, I believe I believe you were in a similar boat, Nick. Yeah. That uh, just really weren't that high on the roster. Uh, a team that that really exceeded expectations. I think a lot of people's expectations. So, and uh, of course, with the with the credit of that going to a lot of the roster, of course, some of that has to go to go to uh, to Butch as well. So, I mean, he he's shown that he's been a great manager in so many leagues and levels, and it it just makes it's a no brainer to bring him back. Uh, just because, just because of what he's done in the past in indie ball, and of course, I mean, if you're just looking at uh, what he did last year, and I think it was also it was important for him 
to have a good year last year just because of the, the disappointment of what 2020 was. I understand it was a shortened season. I understand COVID makes a lot of things weird. I get all that. But uh, it was a team that uh, in 2020 that had that was almost the opposite of their 2021 team, a team that we expected a lot from uh, in, in 2020, and they really fell flat and they really struggled. So it, 2021 was a big bounce back year. You could maybe say it was a prove it year for him. Uh, and so, and with the, the great year that the dogs ended up having, and of course that Butch had as well running the team, I, I think you, it's a no brainer to bring him back. Yeah, it, it, it really is. Cause he's the best possible option out there. Plus, I mean, if you want to look just across the board, at what he's done in baseball, you're not going to find a more accomplished guy on any sort of notice. So I, I certainly agree with the move to bring him back. I think you're right, Will, too. I mean, he was kind of due for a good year, and he ha- definitely had that year with a roster that neither one of us really uh, I put much stock into. So it's going to be very interesting to see how he does in 22. Uh, I don't really think there's much of a dog's roster formed up yet. Uh, so I'm going to be very curious to see how that roster winds up turning out. But I think overall, it's a, a really solid move. Yeah, I don't think you can make any complaints about it just just because of uh, that the season that the dogs had last year. And again, think of the division they play in. I mean, it's yeah. a really difficult division, top to bottom. So they're playing. Their schedule is difficult. They're playing good teams every single night. So, well, maybe not Gary. Besides, that's besides. Plus, you got Lake Country uh, now too. That's true, and you, you, I don't know. Like it used to be back in the day, Nick. Yeah, uh, I, I'm old enough to remember when teams. In their first year uh, in independent leagues, uh, really struggled. Yeah, what the hell happened to those days? Oh, really? Like, I mean, like, yeah, because even Charleston really rebounded too. So maybe we'll get back to that. You know, who knows? I'd like to get back to at least one of these teams not being great. Are, are you rooting? Are you are you rooting for the Dockhounds for for Lake Country to be bad? I'm not rooting for them to be bad, but I'm rooting for one of these teams to be bad, so that way we can at least have some normalcy. Yeah, it, it's like. Because remember when the Rockers and 20, High Point Rockers in the Atlantic League oh, in 2019 yeah. were so good, but everyone thought they were going to be bad, and mm. it just seemed like I don't know. It, it seemed like at the time, like wow, this is so this is so unusual. A team coming in their first year and being so good, and then Lexington said, "Well, watch this." Yeah, I mean that was the such with High Point too. At least with Lexington, you looked at the roster and you're like, "Okay, this is going to be a really good team." And then it was. But, like, with High Point, you look down, you're like, okay, there's Akil Morris, and that's about it. And then it's like, oh, no, wait, they're actually all really good, and I don't know how they're doing this. Yeah, and, and I think I, from what I remember about that team, it was just a lot of guys that, um, you know, a lot of guys who were one of the be- like better, one of the, like the Frontier League's better players, or the American Association's better players, or the Can Am's better players. Yeah. They kind of all just con- converged them into one team, and it was really good. And yeah. it turned out to be really good. And the Rockers made a lot of good moves in the season. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's funny when you think about what Lake Country is going to be because Lake Country, of course, is going to be in that difficult division. Um, and I don't know, it, it, it's. It's a new era where teams are just coming in and they're just picking up and they're competing, not only competing right away, but they're contending right away. So it's definitely a different time. It definitely is. And I, overall, it's definitely better, but still, it's just, uh, 
it's kind of oh, weird. Great. It's definitely kind of weird to see. So yeah, uh, no, no one wants no one wants the Texas like the Texas Airhogs. Oh God, no. yeah, that's the team is. We don't need that team back. I mean, listen, um, that ballpark's nice and all, but like it's a cricket stadium now a, for a reason. When you have a team that consistently won like twenty to twenty five games a year, or whatever, whatever they maybe thirty, that. yeah, something in that range, like. Come on, year after year after year. Yeah, the uh, the best thing that come out of that organization is pretty much Tyler Matzik. That is true. That's about but it. You know, it's, it's not a bad thing to come out of your organization, though. Exactly. So, uh, on that note, we uh, we got w- two last things because there's one thing in the notes here, and then there's another thing I just remember when we jumped on, uh, which was just a Q and A question that we forgot to get to last week that I didn't see until we were finished with it. I was like, well, we're done recording this, and it's like nearly two hours long, so we're not going to pack this on. We'll just get to it next week. Uh, so let's get to the news story, and then we'll get to the Q&A question, and then we'll be kind of much through for the week, because like I said, it's a shorter week. Uh, last thing here is from the Frontier League, namely the Gateway Grizzlies. There is some form of a uh, kid home run derby that's going to run from May 20th through May 22nd with a ceremony honoring the three teams competing or at least a rep from each of the three teams competing on uh, May 18th. Uh, It costs $500 to enter. There's a U10 team, a U9 team, and a U8 team. Uh, Minimum three games and you get 15 tickets to the May 18th game. The whole thing is honestly a bit confusing because it didn't say if you enter as a team or if you just enter and then you're placed on a team. So I don't really quite grasp that part because then it said additional members pay like $20 and the team can be up to 50 people. So I'm not quite sure, like I said, if it's a, you have a team on there of a certain amount of people and then you can pay 20 to add more people on at a later point. If it's just like, okay, the 10 year olds are on the U10 team. Then we go to the U9 team for any overflow for nine year olds. And then the same for eight year olds. I don't, I, I would think, I would think it, it is like, it's just like a site where they hold travel games. Yeah. It's gotta be. Yeah. Because my, like, that's how I just kind of figured this is how it works. It's just they run this whole kind of home run derby and it's like, okay, 10 year olds versus nine year olds versus eight year olds. And we can have up to 50 in each grouping here, and you pay, like, 500 But then the extra 20 thing confused me from the way the flyer was laid out. So I don't quite understand it. Uh, but it does seem interesting, I will say that. I, I want to bring up this other point about the, about the flyer. Yeah. I don't like... So it says on the flyer, obviously, this is a podcast, so, yeah. you know. I mean, I'm sure you could look in the show notes. You, you can yeah. see it for yourself if you're interested. Yeah. But on it, on the uh, the flyer, it says, and I quote: "Play on fields where home runs are likely in every game." Okay. Now, what kind of like current NBA participation trophy garbage is that? I mean, I'm sorry, and I know obviously eight, nine, ten year olds can't play on the 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 actual gateway field with the normal fences. I understand all that, but at the same time, I don't like that you're you're advertising 
playing on fields where home runs are likely. Well, you can't guarantee the home runs. It's almost like a legality thing where you're like, if we guarantee a no. home run and a home run isn't hit, that it's no, okay. No, I understand that. Yeah. I'm saying that why are you talking about, oh, well, these fences are going to be so obscenely short that you got to hit home runs. That you're just going to see home runs. Like, what is that? <laughs> it's not baseball. Well, we're just trying, like, they're really just trying to hype up the home run thing. Like, what probably would have been better is if they would have had, like, three or four names of, like, kind of known home run hitters. Because, I mean, Gateway's been around for quite some time now. And I assume the general community knows players that have played there for a while. So they probably should have put, like, uh, their names on the flyer and had them kind of listed on there and perhaps said, play on the field where home runs were hit or some shit like something like that they probably could change it or play on the same field with sluggers like like that probably would have been a better one but yeah i i mean i saw like where home runs are likely i was like that's an interesting call to advertise likely there like i know why likely is put there but it was an interesting decision i was like okay yeah because look i think that for example you do you know like I'm not sure how much baseball you played when growing up, Nick, but yeah. uh, you never went to like Cooperstown or anything. No, no, no. I don't know. So, like, the, like the, are you, do you know what the Cooperstown like travel tournaments are? Vaguely, yeah. Okay, like you'll have like tw- like you'll have twelve year olds, like twelve U teams from like all across the country. They'll go to Cooperstown. They'll play. And if you're if you're familiar with like youth baseball and you're listening, you know that. Um, 12-year-olds, uh, it's like the year before they go to the 60-90 field, in most cases. Um, and so it's either it's usually like 50-70 where you're playing, on, uh, playing for 12-year-olds. And some 12-year-olds are just huge. And it's, it's very obvious that there's got to be some sort of middle ground between playing on full-size fields and like 50-70 fields. Because if you go to Cooperstown, these fences are like not more than 200 feet away and they're it's just home run after home run after home run after home run and i feel like they do that because then they can go because you can then go to the store and say i hit a home run in cooperstown now i don't really like that because i I, i'm not really partial to just hitting the home runs like if you just if you wanted to see that many home runs you could just go to a 2021 atlantic league game if you really wanted to see that many home runs Jesus. now uh in in that case i i don't like i'm just not a fan of as someone who likes pitching duels uh, or yeah. a mixture of it why the hell are we saying oh just the home runs are likely yeah i'll just put the fences 60 feet away you'll get all the home runs you you could ever you could ever desire like that, that's not baseball. What are we talking about here? And maybe I'm getting upset about yeah. nothing. And you know what? It's a short week, so I can I can I can do this. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like this isn't baseball. Like I'm not saying you play on full size fields if you're eight, nine, ten. You play it, but play on a normal size field. Like I, I'm just I just can see this and being like, oh, they're just gonna put the fence is 100 140 feet away. Have fun. Like it doesn't. I, I'm not not a fan of how this was advertised. And yes, maybe I'm getting upset about nothing, but that that's just what I'm thinking here. Okay. Either way, it's entertaining, so I'm cool with it. But three points. One, it is still youth baseball for like twelve year olds and under. 
the point of it is kind of just to have fun and learn fundamentals, not to, you know, like win games or anything like that. I don't really think the goal to win games really comes into your like high school age. At that point, it's like, okay, yeah, that then the goal is to, you know, win games and improve as a player and, you know, play the best player at that point. But I mean, up to that point, I think it's kind of like, make sure you enjoy playing the game and you have good fundamentals. It's kind of like the goal. Uh, but the second point here is the, uh, the quote of this episode is going to be straight from the mouth of Will Thompson. There are some 12 year olds that are huge. That's the quote of the week right there. <laughs> I thought, I thought the quote of the week was going to be, if you wanted to see that many home runs, just go to a 2021 Atlantic league game. That That's a contender as well. I'm not going to throw it out there, but it just is. If you took it out of context, which one sounds more like what the hell? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you see some twelve-year-olds that go to these freaking tournaments, like from like they'll come from like all over the country, and they're like freaking six-one. How the hell did that happen? Well, look, sometimes listen, you I'm get... a big guy myself, but like twelve years old, and they're like, and you should see like uh, when I went up to I I didn't play Cooperstown, I didn't play baseball a ton growing up, yeah. but, but my brother did, so I went there, uh, and. It, there was this kid, they, they had a home run derby, and these kids were so big from Houston, Texas. There was like this kid from Texas and this kid from Ohio that went in the home run derby, and it was literally like 10 outs. Like, it wasn't like timed or anything. This was yeah. before the days of, it was it was still the days of like 10 outs. Yeah, right. So, I think the final home run count, in the final round, was like 35 to like 30. It was obscene. And and that made me realize I'm like, what the hell are we doing here? Like, what? Why? There's got to be some sort of like the where the fences are like I don't know, 250 feet away, some like happy medium here where it's not just like kids are just hitting home. And then there's the kids that want like that that hit like 25 home runs and they want the ball back after their after their 30th home run of the year. Like, come on, man. But it's a career best. Uh, maybe if it's like some meaningful home, like I don't know, but like it, it's his one hundredth of the year. Oh my goodness! How many and, other and times like, you gonna hit a hundred in a season? Throw the ball. Like if, it, if it's like you're if it's if you're not a person that normally hits home runs, have your fun. But uh, the uh, kids who are hitting like, wow, look, I have all I have all thirty six of my home runs this year that I hit over a, a one hundred and eighty foot fence. Oh, God, you know. And I'm 12, and I'm 6'4". You know, like, I'm trying to go, have I seen a 6'4", 12-year-old? I'm like, yeah, actually, yeah, I have. I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. That would intimidate me, but I'm only, like, 6'2", 6'3". I'd be like, shit, this kid's my height, and he's, like, 12 years younger than me? <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, no kidding. Oh, yeah, but... Yeah, so that's as far as news goes, all we have. Uh, there is one Q&A question we do need to get to because I didn't screenshot it last week and then when we were going through everything, I managed to miss it because, well, it wasn't there. So we are going to get to that right now. I'm just going to pull it up so that way I make sure I read the question correctly. And uh, yeah, then the, after that, I think we'll be pretty much done for the week. 
because uh, like I said, it is a short week. There isn't much in the way of news. So it's just the way it goes sometimes. Uh, what do you think the partner leagues need to do to gain more fans and more respect? So that's a bit of a loaded question, no doubt. And uh, I would probably say that uh, it really is just more exposure, I would say. I think already the, the quality of play is certainly there. Uh, in this league, any of the partner leagues, really, you don't have 12-year-olds hitting 30 home runs. So that's certainly a, a good start, although the Atlantic League may try that next. Um, <laughs> so with that said, uh, I really think it's just a matter of trying to just change that public perception. How you do that, I, th- again, think it's a matter of Keeping up the pace of having major leaguers, I think getting guys like Jeremy Jeffries is a good start because they're not far removed from being all-stars in the major leagues. So if you keep getting players like that, you keep promoting yourselves. I think that kind of digital initiatives that we see in the American Association is another good start. I think it really promotes the league well and shows off the kind of talent there is. I would like to see more leagues kind of really promoting their players, promoting their their kind of you know, star guys in the league. I think that would be a big help as well. I think, you know, kind of an unofficial mandate going through everyone would be, we'd like to see you upgrade your, uh, your streaming, your quality of, uh, you know, internet access. If you're trying to access the game online, I think that would be a huge, huge element too, because it makes it a lot easier for people to find the game, watch the game. If it's just, you know, one or two stationary camera angles for a whole game, and that's the whole season slate of games, it's just those two angles, it's not great. You know, it's not going to hold attentions of casual viewers. I think that's part of it, too. And also, I think, keep in mind, too, uh, as much as, like, all of us in the kind of the general indie ball area are so-so on the partnership aspect of it, the whole incorporating Major League Baseball aspect of it, I think at the end of the day, uh, like especially when we had Josh Schaub on, he made a note of this, and I, I'm kind of inclined to agree with him. It's It does help when you have a Major League logo attached to your own branding. It does, for a lot of people, give it legitimacy that it may not otherwise have. So I do think, in a sense, the partnership is working. I don't like the whole rules partnership that much. I, I think that can go, but I will say... Uh, I think it's a lot of just continuing what you're doing and improving your brand awareness and really kind of marking the fact that you're, and again, I hate everything about this, but I do acknowledge that it is useful and it is helpful that you're kind of major league baseball certified. I personally, again, do not think you need that, but I think there are a lot of people out there that do need to see that. And so it becomes necessary on that alone. I agree. I, I think I have a lot of the same points. I think it has improved a lot in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one thing the partnership has been good for. Um, I think I think you're right. A lot of it has to do with marketing. Like any time that a major leaguer like does something good, like the Blue Crabs in particular are very good at this. Anytime yeah. Chris Massa takes the mound, you 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 can count on a on a uh, a tweet from the Southern Maryland Blue Crabs about Chris Massa taking the mound. Right. Uh, and and of course, like the American Association does a good job with this, too. I think really just promoting alums and being like, hey, this isn't just like 
this guy just won the lottery and is like is just like somehow got back to the big leagues. Like no, like point out that this is like a, a, a normal thing. Or even if you if you don't want to just take uh, take guys that do, that go back to the MLB, what about guys that are, that go back and they do well in the minors, yeah. right? Because even if they don't, if, even if they never reach the big leagues, if they get purchased, if they never were above high A ball before they got to indie ball, and then they get picked up and go to triple A, I mean, that's a big deal. And then oh, yeah. if they're doing well in triple A, again, I think that and, and videos uh, and videos and highlights are always, in my opinion, worth more than just talking about it right and just yeah. writing text i think that's the big thing everything's got to be video let people see what they're doing um and i think Amer- the american association does an excellent job with highlights and i'd like to see that happen on uh on different on the other leagues as well with the atlantic league and the frontier league post like these highlights right and so p- more people can see how talented these players are the things that we already know because i think the quality of play is not something that needs to be changed because it is already good right yeah. uh, and it's not it's not able it, it, there's not i don't think there's a lot that they could do to uh to increase it not that it really needs to be increased at all because i don't think that's that, that's the issue it's just getting it out there and letting people see wow these players are this is really triple a double a quality baseball um, and, and not just saying it because I know at least in my perspective, like, I don't really care what somebody says like, Oh, this ball. Yeah. But if you're just watching, like, I got to see it for myself. And so I think just making sure that these like highlights and video of these players is out there, similar to how the American association does is, is the most important thing. And I think that, uh, I think that helps get away with the stigma that I think has really started to to uh, lessen and lessen uh, over the last few years. Yeah, and one thing that's kind of to to go to that point, Will, is that you've seen change, especially since the partnership. A lot of times, you see these plays wind up on Sports Center's top ten. That's a big deal. Like, yeah. it may not be as big of a deal as it was, you know, pre like social media dominance like 90s early 2000s even i go as far to say like very beginning like 2010s kind of but it still is a lot when you see you know chase harris making a great catch in the outfield or justin bird making a great catch in the outfield or you know an incredible diving play in the infield from southern maryland something like that when you see it on not just you know a social media feed from like an ESPN or something, but when you see it actually broadcast on Sports Center at like two o'clock in the afternoon, it means something. Because especially, just think of it like this: how many places of business just kind of throw ESPN to ha- ESPN on to have something in the background running? Just have kind of a sports show on. Everything from doctors' offices to sports shops to you know, kind of like auto body places and to even just, like, dealerships for cars and stuff in their waiting areas. ESPN's kind of like your go-to kind of safety net of a program. And so SportsCenter's always running, and if you always have that top 10 showing up once an hour, hey, it does get the brand out there a bit, and it can make someone interested, especially if it's, you know, you're sitting in, like, a doctor's office in Lincoln, Nebraska, and you see Justin Bird make a great catch, at uh, Haymarket Place, and you go, hey, that's not far from where we live. Why don't we go out to the game? It at least brings the idea into your mind, and so that is an important element of it. 
And I agree with the highlight element too. I think it's extremely important. And it's just the higher quality of camera work you have, the better quality of production you have, the more likely you are to uh get these highlights sent over. Because, I mean, there is still a kind of a standard... Uh, that the audio and the visuals have to be at for it to run on broadcast or to even really be genuinely considered. If it's a crappy angle, if it's, you know, crappy quality, you're probably not going to get considered for these types of things and it's not going to get shared as much because it's not as easy to 100%. see. So it's just part of how it goes. So I do think that's been very important. I think that's something that needs to continue. And because, like you said, well, the quality of play is there. We've seen really good ball players there it's pretty evident here it's just they need to make it very accessible for people and i think another thing is just making sure that uh, the barrier to entry is low already it seems pretty low i mean it's really just the cost of a ticket to get involved in it but i think it's also partially once you have people at the ballpark part of it is obviously you know the the day-to-day the team incentive is just to make sure you want to keep coming back so it's going to be a fun experience but to get them involved in the baseball aspect i think part of it is on the teams to make sure that they enjoy the actual baseball game itself in addition to the experience so that way they get more invested in the league itself and the league proper i think that's a large chunk of this too yeah i i agree with all that i think it's just that kind of exposure and of course you make a really good point about the camera quality yeah. uh, i think that's that's very important or else you're not there no one's gonna put like uh, a thing on on espn or top tens because i mean listen most of the american association broadcasts are like top notch yeah like as far as their camera quality and of course you know they they charge for it so they yeah. you, they charge for aa.tv so they have they have the ability to do that, and maybe the Atlantic League uh, would follow doing that sort of thing. But um, so I, I think you make a lot of good points there, and I think that it's all just about exposure. Yeah. And so, and, and I think that that's what we'll continue to see. Yeah, exactly. So that that's kind of I think that's a pretty good way to answer that question. It really just comes down to exposure, I think. Uh, so, uh, with that said. We're kind of at the end of the line this week. It's a bit of a shorter episode, one of the shorter ones, especially as of recent. But that's just kind of the way it goes when there's not much news here and we don't have an interview. Uh, Hopefully next week we'll have one. If not, definitely the week after that. Uh, So look forward to that. We will see what the week brings, as they say. Uh, With that said, we're going to go to the plugs and then we'll get out of here. If you want to follow the show on social media, you can do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod. You can also do so on Instagram at ALPB underscore news or at IndieBallReport. Uh, likewise, if you want to find links to anything we mentioned, including that flyer to the Home Run Derby in Gateway, you can do so on the website IndieBallReport.com and do so under the show notes tab. Just look for episode number 148. It should be all the way at the bottom of the page. And you can just click to open that and you'll have all the show notes, all the links, all the timestamps, all the credits and everything that you need uh, there. Also, you'll find links to all the episodes, including last week's Q&A, where we did about 30, 34 more questions like the one we just did. And that's over the course of about an hour and a half. So you could definitely check that out on the website as well as everything else. Uh, they're sorted by a year and via interview. So you can Find everything very easily over there, including articles that we've started writing. Those are on the Instagram page as well, if you don't like reading on the actual website. So all that is there for your viewing pleasure, should you want it. 
And with that, all we have left to plug is the podcast itself. I'm not sure where you're listening to it now, but we're available on pretty much every single podcatcher, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeart, uh, Odyssey Radio, um, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts. Like I said, just about anywhere and everywhere you can find podcasts, the show is available. So be sure to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get the podcast, if possible. Uh, that said, <clears throat> do we have anything else left to add this week? If anyone knows how to donate a jaw, let me know, because I would like to donate my jaw to Dougie Hamilton. Because <laughs> it's a terrible break. Got a puck to the got a got a puck to the face. Broke his jaw. He's out. That stuff only happens to the New Jersey Devils. But that's some bad New Jersey Devils news. Good New Jersey Devils news. Since coming back from the little hiatus break, whatever you want to call it, due to COVID and the Christmas break, and I, I don't know, I don't even yeah. know what you want to call that that weird little break. But Jack Hughes has been absolutely incredible, like absolutely incredible. He is a superstar. Uh, and I'm glad he's a New Jersey Devil for a long time. But, uh, you know, the Devils are only three points out of a playoff spot. So, I don't know. You we'll also see. don't have Dougie Hamilton anymore. So No, we don't have Dougie Hamilton, and that's that's very sad. Uh, but And, of course, out of all things, it's a puck to the face and a broken jaw. Something that you can – is a complete freak accident, and you can just do nothing about it. I probably could just slap a cage on him in about three weeks, and he'll be fine. I know, but any game without Dougie Hamilton means Mackenzie Blackwood, who was, well, he, he had a good game last night, but has struggled a lot uh, before that. That means he's inevitably going to face about 50 shots a night, which is not going to be. I can, I can imagine that. The Rangers are just fighting through COVID issues at the moment, so once we get Igor back, once we get Panarin back, it'll all be fine. That's all we're waiting on. Plus, we've done well enough where we can afford to drop a game or two. Plus, we may not even be playing on Saturday because we don't know what Anaheim's COVID situation is like. So, I really don't have anything else more than that to add. I'm, I'm kind of good on the week. So, yeah. uh, with, so. so, with that said, until next time, don't forget to play ball. <laughs>